I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Thin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, even though yesterday was his birthday, Norman Siegel was just on. He was terrific. My next guest is part of that great one-two punch before John Katsimatidis' Sunday morning show, which is terrific. It really is the Cats Roundtable. The Rev and the Rabbi, it's the Reverend A.R. Bernard joining me on this special holiday morning. Mr. A.R. Bernard, Mr. Reverend, how are you? Good morning. I am blessed, Sid, and blessed to be on your show and hear you talk about Hakeem Jeffries and uh, being the bold guy that Sid is. He'll have him on anyway, in spite of the Oh, no, I people. will. Yeah. I think it's great. No, listen, again, I, what I'm trying to do here, uh, my new relationship with the mayor, is reach out to people who don't necessarily agree with me or who absolutely disagree with me and let them know how I feel, respectful, not going to beat them over the head, not going to tell them they're dead to me, they're, they're killing this city, not like that. But uh, certainly uh, disagreement every now and then is okay. And that's exactly, Reverend A.R. Bernard, I think you'd agree, what MLK felt, which was it's okay to disagree, in fact, if you do it in gentlemanly fashion. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. It's about civil discourse. It's about be, being able to disagree without being disagreeable. I think, you know, in debate, uh, Sid, you're not a great debater unless you know what the other guy is thinking. If you understand where they're coming from, then you could really debate them. So if we shut people out just because they disagree with us, uh, we're, we're, we're only getting half the story and half the experience. So uh, kudos to anyone who's willing to say, hey, I disagree with you, but let's, let's talk about it. Let me hear what you have to say. And then even after the, at the end of the conversation, you say, I still disagree with you, but it was great to have you on. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, which is what I'm probably going to say to Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, <laughs> Reverend, you got uh, you were on with me last year on this day, too, I remember. And it was a great conversation. Uh, you have very vivid memories of Martin Luther King Jr., some of the marches, which I know you took place in. Give me some of the highlights, the moments of you and MLK Jr. You know, you know, I will tell you, interestingly enough, Sid, you say that in, in, in my neighborhood, and I grew up in Bedford-Stuyvesant, Brooklyn, and then Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, we, we had to choose, uh, it seemed, between Malcolm and Dr. King and what they represented. Malcolm representing, you know, strength and, and power and challenging uh, the establishment, and Dr. King saying we got to work with the establishment. And, and, you know, when we were younger, we are saying, well, we like that guy because he's tough and, and, and we feel weak. And the other guy seems weak. And it's not until you get older that you really appreciate the contribution of each individual. Everybody brings something to the table to make a difference. And it took a lot of guts for Dr. King to engage in nonviolent action, take the kind of abuse that he got, but to make a, a point. He brought, he appealed, uh, Sid, to the conscience of our nation. We're a Christian nation. 
and, 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 and there are certain Christian social ethics that talk about the life and dignity of the human person and the common good. And Dr. King successfully appealed to that conscience, and he got us to rethink, reevaluate our history and where we need to go from here. But I will tell you, Sid, I think Dr. King, if he were alive today, he would be tweeting SMH, shaking my mm, head. Yeah. In response to the yeah. fact that all this time has gone by, and we're still fighting. We're still struggling over this. Stuff. No, I agree with you, and, and sometimes I get frustrated. And, and look, I, I don't like Colin Kaepernick. I don't like him. Uh, I think that the, the, the kneeling for the national anthem is not the thing to do. I understand there's still more work to be done. I get it. I would have preferred him to do it some other way than kneel during the national anthem. But I do believe that there is some more work to be done. I do. Uh, But I also believe that this cry from a certain segment of the population, which basically has white people as slave owners, I think that's an exaggeration, too. I think you'd agree. You know, look, look, the history is what it is. We can't deny the history. It was brutal. All right. And there was a form of slavery in America that we have not seen historically. Slavery goes back thousands and thousands of years. But the way it was applied in in the American context is quite different. And we're still wrestling through the effects of that. However, all right, we're not going to change society by continuing to brand all white people as slave owners, as 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 as, as the criminal against black people. We're not going to get there. In fact, Sid, uh, if it were not for white abolitionists, we would not have seen the Emancipation Proclamation. If it were not for Puritans and 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 Quakers who were early on in the struggle, and even Jews out of Georgia who were early on in the struggle, if it was not for the collaboration. Of, of, of people unlike us in terms of people of color, we wouldn't see the freedoms that we have in this country. So I'm curious, are you a BLM supporter? It turns out, of course, they bought some very nice mansions in California. There was, <laughs> there was some serious violence on the streets. I mean, we could talk all we want about January 6th. I'll pick any given night in the summer of 2020, Ray Aubenard, and that will rival what happened in Washington, D.C. that day in terms of violence and actual people dying where are you with that with that group? Well, I'm going to tell you, I make a clear distinction between BLM, the organization, and its desire to destroy the family unit, to destroy the social system that have been foundational to American society and American success. I'm against BLM as the organization, but I am all for the philosophy that black lives do yeah, matter. Yeah, but so, but everybody, but, but everybody, but, but Reverend, but Reverend, everybody is. I mean, the fact that they feel the need, I got to tell you, as a white person, it's insulting to me. I don't need BLM to tell me black lives matter. Of course they matter. Black lives matter, Jewish lives, Asian lives. I don't care who wait, you wait, are. Sit, sit. It's insulting. If, if, of cor- if, of course, they matter, black people in this country would be much further along than we are. Listen, let me tell you something. Countries around the world are classified as underdeveloped, undeveloped, developing, transitioning, and developed. How are they classified uh, like that? By the rate of economic growth. And if we were to take that same global perspective and apply it to the community of color here in America, who have to deal, who had to deal with Jim Crow, segregation, poverty, disenfranchisement, etc., which slowed the rate of economic growth of that community, we can understand that here it is hundreds of years later, and they're still struggling. So we've got to put it into perspective. 
All lives do matter. But if it wasn't for the history of segregation and slavery and disenfranchisement and, and modulation of black, we wouldn't have to talk. Uh, about listen, I, I understand lives. that. I understand that. But I, I say this all the time. You know, my people were basically wiped out in World War II, which was a lot closer to today than slavery 400 years ago. This is less than 100 years ago. Six million Jews were wiped off the face of the earth. I don't walk around every day looking for reparations with a chip on my shoulder. I get up, I go to work. I appreciate the history. It bothers me. But at some point, when LeBron James, for example, is making a billion dollars and calling NBA owners, white guys, slave owners, again, maybe it's, it, the message may be somewhere out there, but that's not the guy. That's not the guy, is it? I, I, I will tell you, he's using his influence, and I'm glad you brought it up. There was a time when Jews had a hard time trying to assimilate in American society. So what did you do? You gathered yourselves together. You created JCRC. You created the Anti-Defamation League. You created all these organizations to do what? To hold American society accountable in order to protect yourself as a people within a culture that at one time rejected and actually acted violently. It took time for America to get involved in the war. It wasn't until after two million Jews were killed that the United States decided, hey. Oh, I know. I, I think FDR is one of the worst presidents ever because of that. I really do. Well, yeah, no, that's the reality. But again, America is, is, is an incredible experiment that we all have to fight our way into. That's the way it's been. It's been true for the Irish when they came, the Italians when they came, the Germans when they came, the Jews when they came. You know, at one time, white in America was simply white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. That whiteness and identity of whiteness, which is a social construct, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, not, it's not natural, but it's a social construct. It took time for even uh, Italians and, and Jews and, and Irish and Germans to assimilate into American society in terms of whiteness. So, look, this is an incredible experiment. There's no other country I'd like to, to, to be in. I was born in Panama, came here in 1957. I'm glad to be an American citizen. And this is the country of my choice. And, and it, it's got its issues. We got to fix it. But that's what makes it America. You don't like Colin Kaepernick. But guess what? Because this is America, he could do what he did. And we can criticize him. Oh, that's fair. So when you say that Martin Luther King would actually tweet SMH today, and we just had a nice discussion about what I think is wrong, what you think is wrong, what do you think he'd specifically be targeting when he writes SMH, specifically? Shaking my head. I think because he would have expected that we would be much further along as a nation. Now, who would be? Who would be? Who would be? White people? Black people? The nation. No, no, hold it. No, the nation as a whole. He, his speech was a collective speech for the collective body of Americans and American society. Look, in the last 60 years, Sid, it is undeniable that blacks have experienced unprecedented wealth education, upward mobility. You have blacks in positions of power and influence in this nation, in the political sector, in the economic sector, in the moral sector, uh, which is religion and education and philanthropy. Unprecedented what we've seen, but we still have built into the system those pocket areas that continue prejudice, racial prejudice, which it shouldn't. And we've got to change that. It's a process. And of course, you know, the wheels of change can sometimes go very, very slow, and that's why we've got to stay at it. But who do we have today 
You know, I mentioned LeBron James, and you're happy he's bringing eyeballs to some of these issues, even though he's wrong every time. He's wrong every time. That's great. Uh, I'm sorry, just this. Uh, who do we have today who can be that person, who can be that Martin Luther King Jr. that can make a difference uh, besides you? I mean, you're a terrific guy, but, you know, you're doing a radio show in New York City. Who's out there on a national – it's not Al Sharpton, I'll tell you that right now. So who's out there on a national profile that can help bring people together like he did? You know, I don't know uh, if it's going to take an individual. We look back at the history 60 years ago and we look at Dr. King, but Dr. King was not fully popular in the black community or the white community. Uh, you know, we, he's much more popular today than he was back then. There were five organizations at work trying to push back against the march in Washington, to push back against what Dr. King was trying to do uh, in my own community. Like I said, there was Malcolm and, 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 and there was Dr. King. There was weak, there was strong, and there were all these organizations. So it wasn't like there was a collective body of agreement back then. So even today, I don't know if it's going to take another superhero. I think that we're going to be forced to work together organizations, individuals representing the different sectors of society saying, hey, let's get together and do something about it. I would love to see the community of color in America, the black community, African-American community, bring all of this collective uh, success and strength together and create an agenda to empower and move forward the upward mobility of the black community. I mean, look, I, I, you know, people talk about the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. I look at you guys and I say, hey, Let's find out what they're doing, and let's do it. Let's find out how to do it and get it done. Right, here's what we do. Because you guys we, we, have been great in preserving respect for your community and being watchdogs yeah, right. when the lines and boundaries have crossed. Well, well, because, again, we get up and go to work. We don't wait for the government to take care of us. You don't make excuses. Whoa, we whoa, don't, whoa, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a blanket statement against no, what it's community is. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a fact. We're talking about a certain percentage of the community that is not, quote-unquote, risen to the occasion. I admit that there are wait, wait, some wait, wait, obstacles. That, that, are you saying, are you saying yeah. that, are you making a statement that black people are lazy? That they no, 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 no. I'm telling you a certain percentage of the black community is lazy. Yes. The guy that I'm paying right, for right man. now, the guy that I'm paying for right now to smoke weed and watch cartoons, that's not the, that's not the majority. That's not every black person. But there is a percentage of the black community that this government and this country has allowed to get lazy. If you can't admit that, A.R. Bernard, then there's never going to be wait, any wait, real wait, change. Wait. No, no, I could admit, but put into perspective, when you look at the numbers, Sid, yeah. the, the, those who have benefited most from the civil rights movement were not the black community. It was poor white in this country, especially yeah. poor white females That's true. who were struggling to get by. That's true, That's too. That's what the stats show, not blacks. So they're the ones who benefited most from the civil rights movement. So we got to put it in perspective. Every community, every society, no matter who you are, they have their elements of people who don't want to work. And we talk about crimes that, that are committed, whatnot. We cannot say, okay, and even if we say, Sid, that there's a higher percentage of crimes in these communities, Let's just not look at the stats. Let's ask the question: Well, why? Well, why? why? I mean, it's not that hard, uh, I Reverend. Need to know why? Well, Man, I'll tell you why. Someone, it does. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't help that a lot of these kids don't have fathers at home. Look, we can we can dance around it all you want. There is a there is one community in this country that commits an overwhelming amount of crime, 
with a very small percentage of folks in that community. We know that community. Absolutely. That, that's, Absolutely. Okay, I, so I that's will, a fact. I will still ask the question why, because, Sid, let me tell you something. If anything came up around and about you, all right, that accusations were made against you in character, right. I would first ask the question why. What caused that? What propelled that? I'm not making excuses, but I do want to understand the, not the symptoms. I want to understand the causes. So I can deal with the causes. That's fair. I, I, one of them, I believe, is that uh, not enough fathers in that community. Absolutely. That's- Absolutely. Father, look, fatherlessness, and I travel around the world. I was in South Africa uh, during apartheid, post-apartheid, and during apartheid. And you know who was suffering most from fatherless in that nation? Not the blacks in that nation, but the whites in that nation. Wow. And I was in Port Elizabeth, and I was talking to Afrikaans, and I was saying, well, what's the problem here? fatherlessness, broken homes, men who did not know how to be men and be, be leaders of their family. It's true in, 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 in communities across the country and around the world. And we've got to deal with it, not just as an isolated uh, uh, color characterization, but the reality of human nature. God created the family as the foundation for society and the man, and I, and I know I'm, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but the man as the foundation for that society, uh, for that family, and to be the strength of that family and to build that family. So when the men fail and the men go down, the family fails and society fails. No, you're in any trouble. I actually agree with you 100%. <laughs> All right, so, so 30 <laughs> to 60 seconds, Reverend A.R. Bernard. This is a great conversation. It really is. And something, a conversation that needs to take place in more places. Um, do you think we will get to that place sometime in the near future where MLK would not tweet SMH? I believe so. I'm hopeful we can't live without hope. Look, I'm a clergyman. It's all about hope. We're prisoners of hope. Hope spurs creativity and ovation. Hope says, you know what? I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take what's in my hand and use it to the best of my ability. And if I can support somebody else, I'm going to get out there. Uh, look, I believe in the American dream. You tell me, like our great mayor, who's now your friend, says, what other country has a dream? We have a dream. Agreed. The American dream, and we're going to make that dream a reality. Hey, that's a heck of a uh, heck of a job here, A.R. Bernard. And, of course, people should listen to you and the rabbi 7 o'clock every Monday, every Sunday morning. It's a terrific show. Thank you for coming on today. I enjoyed this very, very much, and God bless Great you. Great conversation, Sid. God bless. You too. Reverend A.R. Bernard, check him out 7 a.m. every Sunday morning alongside the rabbi. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.